build compelling real-time apps quickly and scale them globally with the PubNub real-time network. Only PubNub delivers the core building blocks needed for any real-time application. Find out for yourself by signing up for free today. Visit PubNub.com. Welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing, the most trusted podcast dedicated to the new business of location. and welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing. This is episode number 136. We are doing this live, live in our respective cities. Asif is back in town. It is June 28th, 2013. My name, Rob Woodbridge from Untethered.tv. And as you can tell, if you're watching this, with a familiar background of Toronto, Ontario, Canada, not Beijing, not Singapore, not Minneapolis, not an airplane, not an airport, not a hotel room. Asif, it must be good to be back. It's great, man. It's uh, it was it was a long trip. It was a good trip, uh, but uh, I'm I'm happy to be home and uh, back. Uh, you know, back in the same bed, <laughs> same shower, and the things I'm used to. Yeah, you know, it's good. I thought that uh, you know you would get used to uh, like hotel rooms and hotel showers and and uh, hotel beds as opposed to like you you have been traveling. Well, like, I, you know, I've got I got that down, but it's still not it's still not being. No, cool. you're right. It, there's something there's the comfort, yeah. right? Well, welcome back. I I, I want to hear about how was uh, how was Beijing? How was uh, how was your trip there? I know it was short, but man, it it uh, I saw some pictures. You at least got a little bit of time to wander around the city during the day during the night. But how was it for you? Was there anything that struck you as uh, as amazing? You know, Shanghai was, uh, it, it is amazing. It's, I mean, the city is just uh, crazy with development and skyscrapers and that ever, you know, going competition between these, you know, these cities over there for, you know, Tala's building and whatever. And, you know, so that was really interesting. And that skyline's amazing at night, especially when it's all lit up. Um, but just, you know, like to be in the downtown core of Shanghai and then to literally walk, 15 20 minutes out of it and you're in you know squalor and and uh just you know people everywhere food everywhere uh people chasing you you know to sell you something like you know just that juxtaposition of you know high tech and high business and and then you know just uh poverty uh within minutes uh is really really interesting uh to see and witness and be part of so well, I mean, was there, did you obviously notice the, uh, you know, the number of devices that are floating around uh, in foreign to a North American for sure, because there's just so many different types of devices out there. But uh, was there anything like, you know, when you now you've, you, you can compare this, you can compare Canada, United States, Singapore, China, and you can compare it to Europe. Is there any is there any different here? Are we all on the same same playing field? We're just we're just advancing the location and uh, mobile marketing side very quickly. Um, I think it's 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 growing in different ways. I met a company over there uh, that we'll uh, we'll get on the uh, in the show in a few weeks uh, called Walk In, for example. So uh, it's kind of like I sat down with the CEO and and uh, you know we had a, we had a chance to, to to grab a bite and just chat. And he it was interesting because he um, you know he um, had been looking at the industry around indoor location for a while. Uh, and you know, retail in Shanghai is very different than retail in lots of other parts of the world. Uh, but he, he had he had uh, met uh, Syriac, uh, the the founder of Shopkick, and uh, you know was sort of inspired by what Shopkick was doing, and basically went away and built this company that is effectively doing something similar using different technology, so not ultrasound based, um, but uh, you know, doing some near field type of stuff uh, with a loyalty platform associated with it. Uh, so it's so really neat to see that, you know, the same kind of thinking, the same kind of uh, innovation and, and, and stuff is happening there. Not anywhere to the, to the same scale uh, by any means in terms of the number of companies or anything like that. But, uh, but at least the thinking is there and, and we are seeing some, some companies emerge around that in the space. Um, yeah, I mean, there's still a lot of issues with government controls and whatnot i mean obviously like i'm there and like there's no facebook and there's like you you can't even access yeah. facebook it doesn't yeah. work no youtube there's no services there that aren't as government yeah, sanctioned you know. yeah, yeah so 
Well, you know, it's it's okay. The world lives without Facebook because they have their own internal sure. social networks that are as, the yes. same size as Facebook and the same size as Twitter. So, uh, you know, it's a self-contained billion people inside of there with uh, with a billion people using these services. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah, sure. For sure. Well, we got a big show. Uh, is there anything that uh, you need to, to uh, push? I think you, you are pretty much stationary. Um, from now, it's kind of now it's died down. The quiet time has begun for you as of July and August. Uh, is there anything else that you need to push that's, uh, that's going on with, uh, with the Location Based Marketing Association? No, I mean, we're, as you said, July's pretty quiet. Uh, we've got a few little things, more internal things than, than anything else. Um, uh, August, there's the uh, Retail Customer Experience Executive Summit uh, in the middle of the month. Uh, so that's uh, 13th and 14th. Uh, we're still in, in discussion. We might be doing an event in Seattle as well that week. Uh, but other than that, um, you know, uh, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a, a good chance to kind of, for me, really, it, the next few weeks are kind of reflect and look at the bigger picture of uh, where we're going Uh for, for the next year or so. So there, there's lots of planning and lots of that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah. So anyways, if you're in San Diego, middle of August, come out to the Retail Customer Experience Executive Excellent. Summit. Excellent. Well, good. I'm sure your family would appreciate having you around the city. And it's going to be easier for us to schedule these things as you go. And a vacation coming, yeah. which is good as well. Well, yes. we've got a big show, uh, six stories, usual. Uh, we got our guest of the week. Um, I'm certainly I'm fascinated by this brand new app called Donna that I'm just about to uh, go through in a second. And then, of course, our resource of the week, yep. which is the uh, mobile payment journey of the future, which is a uh, pretty cool far-fetched. I got some questions about that um, around the, the newspaper piece, but we'll, we'll come to that at the, end of the, and, at the end of the show. And the news items are amazing. We've got news items from Google, from Twitter, from uh, your, you know a, a little uh, a company in, uh, in Singapore and Facebook and Pandora. And we're going to do some follow-up about some of the stories that we, we were talking about over the last couple of weeks. It's going to be a good show. So let's get this thing started. Let's do it. Yeah, you know, I'm. I have uh, always been fascinated by these applications that are supposed to help. I, I mean, you know, task lists or to do lists, calendars, email, any of these things that are supposed to enhance my day, my life, make my make everything that I do easier. So, of course, when when uh, this uh, application uh, came up in beta, it was called Donna. Uh, D-O-N dot N-A. That's where you can find it. Uh, it's Unfortunately, it's only available in the United States. Um, but this is an application that I immediately signed up to be a part of the early uh, beta list. And, and, uh, and it just went live in the United States yesterday. That's Thursday, the 27th, if, uh, if you really want dates. And this is, this is, I'm fascinated. So we've talked about Twist, we've talked about Tempo.ai, uh, we've talked about these applications, these calendaring applications that are supposed to help us. And here's another one, it's called Donna. Now, what Donna does is it is very specific around your calendar. It doesn't do the same things that Tempo.ai does. Very similar to Twist in a way that, listen, it, it will remind you of a meeting. It will tell you when you have to leave your house in order to be able to get there on time. So it goes out there, pulls down the traffic, pulls conditions, pull down, pulls down the weather conditions, says that if you want to be somewhere by 9, it's going to take you 32 minutes based on these parameters, and it'll give you an alarm when it is time for you to leave. But that's where it just begins, which is really fascinating, is that uh, it, it goes deep into the uh, meetings, uh, who's going to be there? You can be. You can notify people that you're going to be late. You can do all these things, which which we've seen quite a bit. Um, but w what I love about it is the contextual com components about this. We've always talked about this: is that you know I, I want to be able to just use my device. Uh, as I'm, uh, you know, part of my business, as I keep going, as I'm driving or whatever it is that I'm doing, but I, I don't want it to be interfering. So the great thing about this, say you've got a conference call, which is really cool. Uh, you're driving on the way to a meeting or you're driving somewhere and a conference call comes up. It'll give you a little notification that says, look, you're two minutes away from the conference call. Shall I connect you? And you just hit yes mm -hmm. and it connects you. It does all the dialing, all the interference that, uh, that it needs to all the pound and the extension numbers and all those kind of things and gets you into the conference call. But, uh, you know, it's those little features that bring it in, the automation of those little features that brings it in. That I, I absolutely freaking love. This is a pretty cool application. Uh, you know, we're going to be seeing many more of these types of applications as they come out. But it's what I what it is, is about context for me. So it's about giving you the right information exactly when you need it, especially when it comes to to meetings. Um, and especially when it comes to the people at the meeting. And it really, once you succumb to Donna, she really does help you move your day forward. And it's and it's exactly that. It's all about location and context as the as the root of this. And I, I just think that there's going to be a huge opportunity, not only for an app like this, but for the marketing layer on top of an app like this. It's pretty cool. 
Yeah, it sounds like it. I haven't had a chance to play with it, but... Uh, well, well yeah. it worked this morning. I, mean, uh, I, I, I was uh, speaking at IRAP this morning uh, at the uh, NRC here in, in Ottawa, and um, and in fact, it did work. It you know it, it harasses you. It says, you know, you got to leave in five minutes if you want to be there on time, and I and I actually made it made it on time, so... <laughs> yeah, it, I, I like it. So, so take that, combine that with like Waze or something, and you're good to go. Well, I think that that's the one thing. Like they actually do um, turn by turn direction navigation inside of the application as well, and you can connect. You can either use their turn by turn, you can connect to Google, you can connect to uh, Apple Maps. Mm. Um, so you're right. There's just that you know there's um, there's a lot of overlap in some of these applications, and it's very much like Twist, except for the difference is that Twist is a um, a meetup meetings, a uh, meetup application. So if you have it and I have it, and I'm I'm meeting you, you can see where I am and adjust when you're going to depart to meet me at that location based on when my estimated right. time is that I'm going to be there. So there's there's a lot of play in these in these companies. They're they're playing around with this, and and uh, this is where I think that you know from this will emerge some super powerful applications that will really 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 kick ass in the location space, and I can't wait to see those. But these are good. This is a good start, Donna. D-O-N.N-A, available only in the U.S. App Store. For So you guys are listening out there. If you have a U.S. account uh, or if you're in the U.S., go and download that and give it a play. And I'd love to hear your your thoughts on it as well. If uh, see if once you get a chance to, to play with it as well. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll pull it down. Donna, that is our app fascination of the week. Brand spanking new. Maybe not by the time you listen to this, but it was very exciting when I, when I got that email. Very excited. And I'm going to try to get those guys on for a long-form interview for Untether.tv. See what those guys are up to. So, all right, now we got, uh, let's jump into the stories. Six great stories. Six, six, six great stories. Um, and the first one, we might as well talk about this. Uh, you know, it just seems so weird to say this when you say that Google is, or, or sorry, not Google, Twitter is now getting into geo-targeted ads. And it's fascinating to think that these guys, who are the uh, basically the backbone of the internet, the nervous system of the internet, who already do uh, postal code based and zip code based advertising have never really gotten into the geo targeted ads as much. Even, you know, Facebook is in there and Facebook seems to be a laggard when it comes to these. But they're moving into this space by the end of the year, reportedly. Yeah, and th this is really interesting. I mean, obviously, Twitter has a huge, huge following. Um, you know, the number of people who share uh, or who tweet and share location uh, isn't big. Uh, last I heard, it was about 6% yeah. uh, of the Twitter uh, user base. But that's not necessarily what they're talking about here. They're talking about uh, creating a relationship between Twitter and any mobile app, quite frankly, uh, you know, and, you know, ge a geofencing relationship around that. And then, um, you know, basically being able to serve an ad into Twitter based on that. So that's interesting. And, and that's, you know, potentially quite powerful. I think there's, um, in one of the articles I was reading, there was a, um, a quote from, uh, uh, Bridget Dolan from, uh, Sephora, who's a, a VP of interactive media there. And, uh, she she referenced that she thought that, uh, this kind of geo-targeted Twitter ad could be used to alert people in store uh, during events, like you know if there's a special sale or special going on, or new brands or things like that, while they're in the store. So that that that's interesting because if you've got like a Sephora app, for example, and then you you, you can tie that and connect that up to a Twitter ad, that could be interesting. I, you know, it strikes me though that like I'm not often, you know, what I read is that that. The I when I read about this when I found out about this I asked out through Twitter I said you know you know how many people have actually seen a Twitter ad yeah and I I mean I haven't and and people responded saying yeah I've seen it and they sent me some screenshots and and uh, you know some of them were they people that they followed or companies that they followed others were yeah. just were just random based on probably based on on uh, keywords right because that's what they yeah. do very effectively and i think that is very relevant like the keyword search like if i'm typing in you know hey uh, i'm thinking about having a glass of wine you know my my feeling is that you should get a good way to mash that up is is wine regional wine or or you know the lcbo around the mm -hmm. corner being able to say hey rob come on in we got this special going on right we'll send it over dial a bottle but um the idea that uh, i haven't seen it because i use lists right so i have like 10,000 yep. followers, I follow 4,000 people, but I, I take 30 at a time and I create a list and they, and I consume their, their content for a while and then I discard and then I bring people in and leave. So in yep. that list, I've never seen an ad and I use the official right. app on, on Mac and um, I use uh, Tweet yep. on this or um, TweetBot on, on my iPhone. Uh, 
so uh, you, the, the, that's one piece of it. And I, so I've never seen an ad. And the second, I, I see it. I see them a lot. You do? Um, and maybe, maybe uh, you know, I use Twitter in a different way. Um, you know, for for me, I, I'm a big tweet deck guy. Yeah. Uh, I've got my columns set up in in a lot of the columns that I've got set up at the top. You always have the the promoted yeah. tweet stuff running, right? So, uh, you know, whether you want to call that an ad or not, it's promoted to me. Yeah, it it's is. paid for. It's it's paid for, right? So uh, that I see quite often. Yeah, but you know, how often are you in a store? You know, or anywhere. And you're pulling it like if I'm in a if I'm uh, shopping, I, I often don't pull out my yep. my you know I don't search I don't uh, you know browse Twitter. It's a weird thing because it comes back to this thing. Uh, see, if, and maybe I'm maybe I'm way off on this, but it's you know keyword search um, and keyword mining, especially in, a, in an application like Twitter, is way better than than I'm in the store, hit me with or I'm near a store, hit me with a, a you know a, a an ad. I think it's it's too simple for Twitter at that point to do this because mm -hmm. it mines all this data. It knows everything about me pretty much. It knows what I tweet about. It has that history. But then to be so lazy as to just put up a location ad for a, a McDonald's, even though I have I haven't eaten a McDonald's in 22 years, it just seems so. Yeah. So unidimensional that that I, I I agree with you and I and I think the idea of opening like I don't I, I couldn't tell you the one any time I've tweeted from a store no, no. right or, or launched the app to do it now here's where that might change if Twitter continues to go to the path that they're going with things like Vine mm -hmm. and you know photo apps and all that kind of stuff uh, or photo features and video features in inside of the Twitter yep. app. Then okay, now all of a sudden now there's there's more reasons for me to open that Twitter app yeah. while I'm in a store. If I'm going to snap a photo of something in the store, or I'm going to take a little video while I'm Good in point. the store, and the app is open, and now I can push a geo-targeted tweet on that basis. Okay, now I'm starting to see kind of a bigger picture of how this makes yeah. sense. Well, I, I you know I'm always intrigued by this because it, you can get lazy with location, right? And and sure. uh, you have to, but you have to marry location with context and who I am and what it is that I'm that I participate in. But you're right. Any way that they get me to open up that application is very important. And we saw this, and this is exactly the reason why Twitter corralled all of their developers, right? Then they got rid of all of the uh, the you know they put limitations on the API use so that they could bring that in house because the stream is the is what they can monetize, not the app makers. And the app makers were building yes. that that revenue base on their behalf. So. You know, we talk about this, and that's what Foursquare has to do as well: is l tighten up the use of the API so that people start using the Foursquare app, and then if th then with the Foursquare app and all those users, even if it's only a million of them, they can turn the revenue on. But we see this with, you know, this is what you can do if if uh, if they do that, and and certainly Twitter is probably the most powerful network, um, contextualized, anyways, and uh, and open for conversation than out of all of them, um, and easiest to use. That's for sure. Do we know it's it's going to be go. interesting? Twitter, they're playing yeah. catch up, but it's going to be interesting. Yeah, it, it, it's it's a uh, right now it's not it's not all that useful. No. I think what they're talking about here. I mean, they haven't released it yet. They're talking about releasing this, uh, you know, uh, by the it's end. It's crazy. Of the year. It's going to take so, that long. Come on. Right, but for me again, the trigger is a bunch of other useful features in a store built into that app that you know give me a reason to open yeah. the thing that then a, a geotargeted tweet can yeah. happen. And then it will have an impact. Yeah. Yes. All right. Very cool. Well, that's Twitter. Actually, the rumor has it that by the end of the year, they will have geo-targeted ads, which is good if it's done right. And maybe that's what's taking them so long is that they're actually going to do it right. And, and uh, there's a lot of pressure on that because you just don't want to get lazy here, Twitter. Don't get lazy. Don't get lazy. Don't just add location. Add context. All right. Our second story. You, you were just there, man. Did you see any of this? Uh, you never used this. Did you drive <laughs> in Singapore to begin with? I did not drive. I, I refuse to drive. Anything. <laughs> yes. it's, it's crazy. But, but uh, yeah, there's an app there uh, brought to us, uh, brought to my attention by our good friends Chris, uh, Christian uh, Geisendorfer over there, who uh, runs uh, Use. And uh, yeah, so this is an app called Summon Auntie, um, and it's a very local. Singapore singlish slang kind of uh, thing that happens there. Everybody in Singapore, you refer like you get in a in a into a taxi, and uh, you know you you always uh, you, if you if you do this enough, you you'll come to know you refer to a taxi driver as uncle. Uh, every taxi driver is your uncle. 
Um, and, and it's just a, a way that you, you, you interact with people. So there's aunties and uncles and, you know, everybody's, you know, uh, got, got, a, got a term like that. Uh, so this is an app called Summon Auntie, which is uh, a slang term in Singapore for what they refer to as the uh, parking uh, police or parking wardens. Um, um, you know, the people who go around giving out parking tickets. And so the way this app came about, it's an app that is kind of like a, a bit like Waze. It's, it's a driving uh, app, um, you know, gives you traffic data, all that kind of stuff. But the key feature and why it's called Summon Auntie is if you are out and about and you spot, you know, the parking police, basically you, you, you post it into the system and it alerts everybody else as to, you know, where the, where, the, where the parking warden is right now so that you can avoid, you know, parking your car there or, or you know, getting a ticket. That, that's really what this is all about. So it's very location-based uh, and, and it's very uh, useful. I would say to the uh, to the local uh, local Singapore uh, crowd there. Boy, is it ever! Well, apparently, it's very expensive, isn't it, to drive there? And you need like a certificate of authority to be able to drive, and uh, and gas prices are incredible, and parking prices are incredible. Yeah. So it, it makes sense. You know, I, I was asking a bit before this is that they have this um, this ability to uh, communicate if you are a summon anti. Um, uh, user as well, and uh, you've left your lights on. I can type in your license plate and tell you that you've left your lights on, and you'll get a notification that way as well. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, and, you know, it is pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I like I could see this in a, in a lot of cities. But it's funny though, because you see this, right? You see, uh, like you're driving on the highway, and uh, there's a speed trap up ahead, and somebody will like give you a little tap, a little honk, saying, you know, with a little point, mm -hmm. slow down or whatever like that, and. And uh, you can't do this in the real time as you're driving 100 kilometers an hour down the highway uh, to be able to then, like, you know, type in the license plate, hey, there's a, uh, you know, a, a speed trap. But, um, you know, it's that driver code, I think. And any time that you don't have mm -hmm. to pay for parking, it's the best thing. And, it, you know, there's a community of people trying to screw, <laughs> screw governments out of parking. I like this. <laughs> this, is, this is the anarchistic mobile uh, initiative. And I like, I like it a lot. <laughs> I like so, it. So, so check it out. If you're in Singapore, give it yeah. a shot. And if you're not, somebody should build it here in the city and uh, build a in there any city. Go. I think that there's a good opportunity. I don't know how you monetize, but uh, you know, maybe take a donations as a percentage of the money that you would have spent in your in your parking meters. But uh, summon auntie. That's very cool. I love it. Auntie, there aunties and uncles in Singapore. Yes. Uh, yes. Right. Well, All right. Our next story uh, comes to us from Facebook. Um, it, it seems like this whole show is like Twitter, Facebook, Google, it's, it's all these big guys. But anyways, this is Facebook, um, and uh, this is about Facebook offering free Wi-Fi in exchange for your location. So very simple. They've been, they've been testing this for a while. Um, uh, came up uh, by a bunch of – a couple of Facebook engineers uh, about a year ago. And um, basically, they've been testing this in, in a few, like, uh, coffee shops and stuff around Palo Alto and San Francisco. Uh, and the way it works is very simple. Uh, there's, there's Wi-Fi in this coffee shop. You go there, and if you want free Wi-Fi, you share your location. You check in on Facebook. Do a Facebook check-in, and you get free, uh, free Wi-Fi. Seems um, simple. It, se it seems very simple. Um, so much so that they're, they're now in talks with Cisco. And they're 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 talking to Cisco about actually building this Facebook check-in for free Wi-Fi capability directly into some Cisco routers. So uh, we'll see how that plays out. So, That's interesting. So you know, th this could be interesting. So you know, from a small business perspective, if you know if that happens and you go and you get one of these uh, these Cisco routers, you just plug the thing in, and one of the options you will have is to turn on free Wi-Fi based on Facebook uh, check-ins. I was reading somewhere that they only have, it only works on one type of router at this moment. Let me pull it up here. Um, but it, so it, it, it's, it, it requires a specific type of, uh, of hardware in order for this to actually work. Um, right. But it, you know, it's interesting because I think, you know, I, I go to uh, Starbucks all the time, right? I mean, you know, I spend most of my time there for free Wi-Fi. It costs me two bucks for a cup of coffee that I barely drink. But the, the, uh, it just asked me to check, you know, do you accept the uh, conditions? And I hit yes. But uh, what happens if I go to this place regularly and I, do I have to like, like it every time? Or does it just remember that I've liked it and, and just by liking it's a perk of, of uh, giving me access all the time? These are questions that I need to know. You know, I don't think they're relevant. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. But uh, yeah, it, it's interesting, right? I mean, the simplicity of it, 
you know, makes a lot of sense. I could see this for a lot of small small businesses in particular. So they're, the the test locations right now are uh, primarily they said a, a coffee chain called Phil's. Uh, that's with a, a Z on mm. the end there. Uh, Phil's, not not apostrophe S. Of course not. Uh, coffee chain. Um, so yeah, if if you're in San Francisco or Menlo Park, go find a Phil's and check I it think, out. I think that that's a fair price for Wi-Fi. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like. I think it's better than playing hey, Scrabble. Man, I, come, I come from building a whole free Wi-Fi company, yeah. so you know. But I like there's no such thing as free. But I would, I would, you know, I would have no problem liking a place in order to get some get some Wi-Fi. Um, it's better yeah. than I mean, we have um, we have a Bridgehead uh, chain here in Ottawa. It's a great local uh, roaster, and uh, there may be six or seven uh, Bridgeheads here in, in the city, and they're fair trade, organic, you know, um, high end coffee. It's it's actually very good. And um, they, they're still in that whole, we'll give you an hour of Wi-Fi, right? And mm -hmm. uh, then, you know, your code is on the receipt, and uh, it's an inconvenience. And then sometimes you're there for longer than an hour, and it goes away. It just, it says a lot about the company. And I think the, you know, the, um, you know, the statement, it's a, it's a statement about the company when they give you only an hour of Wi-Fi, whereas Starbucks is like, stay, whatever, stay as long as you want, and... You yeah. Know, I think that the, putting the limitation on it is uh, is not very good. But if if they ask me to like Bridgehead in order to be able to use the Wi-Fi, that's a much better value for them because then they can begin Absolutely. to communicate with me, right? Yeah, so. yeah, and maybe it's a like or you know, you know, post something to our page or you know, whatever yeah. it is. Um, you know, however they end up enabling this. Right now, this is based on a actual Facebook check-in yeah. location check-in uh, that then creates a like. Um, so yeah, it's a good way to do this, and and I think that the companies are going to start thinking about this way because uh, you know people come in and out of your business and use your tools, use your your services without identifying themselves, and and you want to be able to capture them, and they can always unlike and go away after, but uh, but for a majority of them, they will stick around, and I think that that's the important part. All right, well, our guest today, our special guest today is Keller Renato, who is one of the co-founders of a company called Remotive. I love this company. It basically turns your iPhone, it does, it turns your iPhone into a robot. It has a little tank of a chassis that you insert your iPhone onto and there's software that automatically downloads and it pulls down this character called Romo. He becomes a robot. It's a programmable language. Now, what does this got to do with location? Well, you'll hear at the end of this clip, it's a short clip, obviously, from an interview that I did uh, with him for Untethered.tv, which will be coming up soon. He talks about telepresence as these little robots that roam around your house and like Romo and it's basically as he calls Skype on wheels and it allows you to interact with your kids if you're in a great distance or in a different room bringing your grandparents whatever it might be it's even talks to it alludes to it to be a babysitter but whatever it is this is a very cool technology funded by Kickstarter they've shipped 5,000 of them there's a huge demand for them they're 150 bucks go to remotive.com and you'll find a little bit more information about it but in the interim here is Keller Renato the founder or co-founder of a company called Remotive. The coolest thing, one of the coolest things about Romo is that because he's using a smartphone, we actually have access to the App Store. And what that means is that you can constantly download new behaviors for your robot over time, and the robots are also all Wi-Fi connected so that they learn from each other. So if one person creates a behavior for one robot, robot all the other robots can leverage that behavior and learn it. Um, and so our time is limited, but you know we have an SDK so that anybody out there who, I mean, we actually have lots of different ways of programming the robot. We have uh, the simplest possible way, which is, uh, you know, an eight-year-old can instantly and intuitively create a behavior or personality for the robot just using this visual programming language on the device itself. And then all the way on the other end of things, we have an SDK so that any experienced uh, engineer can actually build their own apps for Romo and share that with everybody else who owns robots in the wild. And so the whole goal of that is, like, we don't have enough time to build all of these cool functionalities that we think are possible. So we want to put that power into other people's hands um, let them build software for Romo as well and, and let the, the apps that are most popular um, kind of surface and, and, and all the robots can leverage those apps. How, how do you decide what, what features or, or what Romo will do? Like, uh, I mean, is it just, it's got to start at some point with you guys saying, wouldn't it be cool if, as you did, right? Wouldn't it be cool if, wouldn't it be yep. cool if? But now, so how many are in production? You've got 5,000 that have been, that have been are in, you've got 5,000 robots roaming the land right now? Um, in the wild yeah. right now, of, of this version, of the latest yeah. version of Romo, we currently have, uh, I think we, we uh, as of this week, we'll have like 2,200 robots. Okay. 
Um, and then we'll, we're shipping another 2,800 robots in the next month. Um, and then we'll be shipping another 10,000 robots uh, later this summer. So it's, it's scaling rapidly. That's pretty quick. Uh, so, yeah, but, uh, like obviously people, uh, people are, are telling you what they'd like. So how do you, you've got the SDK and you've got, you know, let developers do their own thing, but how do you guys decide what goes in and what doesn't go into Romo? It's really hard. That's one of the, <laughs> hardest, that's one of the hardest things that we do. Um, do you fight about it? Do you, do you guys, do, you, do oh, the three, three of you guys definitely. sit down and, and duke it out or do you bring investors in? 20 of us. 20 of us. Everybody who we've hired at Remoto has an opinion. Um, has an opinion and a good one uh, because we all care about it a lot. If we didn't care about <laughs> robots, there's no way we would put in the hours or, or deal with the hassle. Yeah. But um, so we all do. We all talk about it a lot, trying to figure out what, what do we think and what do we think is the long term. Uh, uh, you know, the most viable use cases and also the use cases that are going to be easiest to hit right now as opposed to in a year from now. Um, it depends. I think right now it's, it's a question of like, what do we think are the use cases that are simplest, actually? That's a big one for us. Because you mentioned Romo is a really complicated device. It's true. He's really complicated to build. Uh, but at the same time, we wanted to build something that was insanely simple to use, like insanely simple. So literally when you get Romo, you just, uh, here, I'll, I'll pull the box off. So you just literally, you know, here's the robot sitting inside. So I literally just take the robot out of the box and then pull my phone out of my pocket and plug my phone into Romo. Uh, and it automatically downloads the software you need. He instantly wakes up. He's an intelligent creature, like following your face and, uh, and doing things like that. So anyway, uh, we, we basically are... Uh, really focused on the use cases that we think are super simple. Like what, what's something that people can instantly understand? Um, and, uh, and then also just what are things that are, that are easy enough to use that we think that actually like 100% of our user base is actually going to benefit from them. So have you had, uh, I mean, are, are there features that, that you thought, listen, these are, these are definitely going to fit in that you've had to pull or that, that, uh, that, you know, kind of however you do it, democratically or otherwise that you just say, no, you know, we, we can't afford to build this in it, but we, you know, that have made it into the second version? Um, you know, one example of something that we thought we were going to do early on that we decided not to do was augmented reality. Hmm. Um, we, we, when we were initially thinking, we were like, oh, it'd be an awesome gaming platform for augmented reality and, and we should build that. Um, at the same time, you know, there are these, the, 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 these other things we want to do. Like we we're like, Romo would be an amazing pet slash friend. He, um, he's intelligent. He can exhibit these cool autonomous behaviors. He uses computer vision using the video camera on the phone to kind of analyze the world around him um, and react accordingly. Uh, and then we were also obviously thinking, you know, this also needs to be a robot that anybody can program and it'd be an awesome way of getting kids excited about computer science. Um, of those three, we've actually focused on the last two, the augmented reality uh, and gaming. We actually decided that that's not what Romo is going to be good at. Um, and also that that's not, there's not like a true need for that. We think that uh, apps, you know, for 99 cents, it's really easy to download an, an app that is like an insanely entertaining. We're not so much interested in building robots that will just entertain. We'd rather build robots that, um, that are a manifestation of people's imaginations. And that was the reason that we ended up focusing much more on this idea of, you know, Romo's a, a personality and a creature that you can train over time. And basically in training him, uh, you know, depending on the level of training that you want to do, you, you're going to learn computer science as you go because you start learning about if you know if clauses and um, and for loops and uh, and just slowly figuring out how to build these simple programs for Romo where it's totally motivated, you know, because you're like, okay, I just want to figure out how to get the robot to go from my kitchen to the living room, uh, you know, to to alert me that dinner's ready or whatever it is, but I. But the whole that that's what we were mainly focused on. It was it was trying to figure out a way of um, of turning him into an intelligent creature and uh, allowing anybody to program him. So those are the two things that we're currently focused on for Romo, and uh, it's hard because there are like a hundred other things that we could do as well. Romo also does telepresence, but we don't actually talk about it that much because it's hard for people to understand, which is crazy. But with robots in general, it sucks because there's no one we can copy. <laughs> Uh, there's no like marketing campaign for robots. We're like, oh, that was a great marketing campaign for a robot. Let's do that, you know. Um, 
so it's really more like we're, we're learning stuff from scratch. And, and telepresence is an especially hard one because it's actually one of the coolest things that Romo does, which he streams two-way audio and video between any, from, from you know, the device on the robot to any iPad, iPhone, uh, com uh, computer running Chrome. Uh, so he, he streams two-way audio and video, but uh, it's just hard to, and, and what that means is he's basically Skype on wheels. Right. So you can use remote <laughs> to like log in, babysit kids. You can invite grandma to hang out for Thanksgiving dinner if she can't make it and she lives on the other side of the country. Or you know, grandma can log in and play hide and go seek with her granddaughter for 15 minutes every single night. There are a lot of really cool use cases there. Um, but it's just weird enough that it's kind of hard to describe. So that's actually a, a feature that we provide to all of our users, but we don't really talk about it that much because... There are simpler things that we can describe that, that are just as compelling. The first story I want to uh, kick things off with here, it was a little bit of fun. And uh, for those of you who are Canadian or were Canadian or have anything to do with Canada uh, and you're listening to this, uh, July 1st, Canada Day. So our good friends at Molson, the beer company, uh, have come up with a phenomenal promotion to uh, – get back out there and say, you know, their tagline has always been, I am Canadian, uh, and drinking Molson Canadian is all about being Canadian. So what did they do? They created a bunch of uh, beer fridges, fully stocked beer fridges, and they kind of been moving them around to uh, public places throughout Europe in particular. And, uh, and as they bring these, places, the, these beer fridges around, the only way you can open this beer fridge is by sticking an actual Canadian passport in and scanning the Canadian passport. That's the key to open a And it's free, fridge. right? So you, and it's free. So you have to actually find a Canadian, wherever the, one of these things are, that has a passport with them to open a beer fridge. This thing is it, it's just awesome. So why don't, why don't you show Here the video? Is. Scan your passport to open fridge. Is there anybody Canadian? Are you Canadian? I have my passport. Now, does a Canadian fridge open different to an English one? Canadians are important. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh my God. We are the key. To, we we are the key to beer around the world We're, right now. So that's that's the way it works. So happy Canada Day. That's a, a little Canada Day in the middle of the God, show. I love it. Like go from Rob Go get I. a Canadian. Go. go hug a Canadian. They'll get you a beer. God, that yeah. is hysterical. Go, way to go, Molson. And and uh, <laughs> yeah, you know they they've done a great job with this. What a shock. I love it. Canadian passports open beers. Ah. There you go. All right. Now listen. Uh, our next story. This this is always just so I, like I. This is why I have this love hate relationship with Google, man, because they have all the brains in the world, all the most intelligent people. They all flock to the Google campus. They're all they all like you know they're they're deploying balloons into outer space to give Wi-Fi or three uh, G access to the uh, impoverished or the developing nations. They're trying to blanket the earth with internet. They've got these, you know, they dominate in Android. And then they do something like this, which is that sharing goods, your life, your stuff on the internet with this with this new service that they're rumored to do. It's it's supposed to be, um, it's I don't even know, like it's a service called Mine. And I, I just scratch my head, like, how can the smartest minds on the planet come up with pure rubbish like this? I, I don't get it. I just don't get it. I don't get it. But apparently they're about to launch this thing called Google Mine, which will tie into Google Plus. 
what is this this even why the hell would i put this lamp and my desk and stuff up there that people could borrow i just ah it's just it's ludicrous to me but i guess it's part of trying new things it's part of trying new things i mean some are good some are some are not some so, good. Not so uh, good you know project loon we talked about project great loon last week and you know that's that's great that's phenomenal right um and this week it's it's mine and uh you know for me this is this is a i'm with you on this this is a google you know basically seeing trends uh you know startups and trends that are happening uh, around them and saying hey you know let's let's put our stake in, in in the water around that trend and see what happens for me this is not a logical place for google to play this is a place for facebook to play this is a place for you know uh, maybe eBay to play, uh, you know, things like that. But this is not a place for for Google to play. I'm not going to go and throw my 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 bike or my uh, you know my uh, power drill on here for you know to, for other people to use on Google. Like, uh, that's not going to happen. Um, like I can't imagine but, that, like a laundry list of all the stuff that I own. Like I'll put yeah. it up there, Google mine, and then uh, what? Uh, people will request to borrow it. Friends that I know. Yeah, I mean, this you know, Google is. Uh, I've said it before. They struggle with the social thing, right? <laughs> you know, Google Circles, Google Plus, Google. You know, uh, all that stuff and 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 photos and and kind of all the things that Facebook excels at. You know, the social network piece is not the thing that Google excels at, right? They're great at these bigger picture things. They're great at search, obviously. They're great at, you know, seeding Wi-Fi out in the world and broadband and all that. Driverless cars and Google Glass. Driverless cars. Yeah, and and obviously maps and all that, right? But the social thing is the thing that I think Google uh, doesn't do well and won't do well. Um, And uh, so I, I struggle with this. Now... Why are they doing this? Because there's a huge market right now for startups in, in all sorts of collaborative consumption, right? From Airbnb to, you know, our, our friends at Peerb in, in Amsterdam that do exactly this. You know, uh, we've had we've had uh, Don and, and on here before talking about what Peerb does, and it's exactly what Peerb does uh, is 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 this kind of sharing a, a, of your stuff. Uh, and there's lots of others that are in kind of corollary spaces like TaskRabbit and Zarly and, and all those kinds of things that, you know, are about shared services um, or community services. So this is not a market for, for in my mind, uh, for Google to play in, but, you know, they try everything. And then they shut down most of it. They, so. they try to anyways. And I think that that's, that's what's a shocking thing to me about this is that uh, this is just not, this is so teenager for a company like Google to, to play in, right? You have this, as we just said, they have incredible innovation that goes on and not just innovation, like stupefying innovation, balloons in space to bring internet to the, to the earth, right? And, uh, and as we said, driverless cars, and here they go and do something like this, which is so, not even teenager, it's like, you know, juvenile uh, to put something like this together. And, and I don't mean like it's a ridiculous idea, but I, I mean, I do in in secret here. I, th- I think that it's a ridiculous idea. But it's just the name mine, the fact that they're doing this, uh, and uh, at the same time releasing balloons to to blanket the earth. I just uh, this is one of those things I, I I struggle with, and it might be a sign that that maybe I'm out of touch, which I'm not. But uh, I know not a soul that would use this service with Google Plus. I just don't know anybody who would use this, and uh, and I certainly yeah. wouldn't. Most of my friends aren't that my neighbors. So what good would it do? Am I going to ship my lawnmower to you? Jesus, like it doesn't make. Yeah, you see, if we're friends on Google Plus, like anything yeah. you want here. If you want to borrow my guitar, I'll just ship it to you. No, it's not convenient. Yeah, we don't live in no. in this in this world. That's why I would use TaskRabbit or something like something else that yeah. that did it. So, wow. Well, yeah, and it's, it has to be. I mean, especially with a service like this, it has to be very much neighborhood location based. None of that is being talked about in here they're talking about google circles and google plus like and half of the people i don't yeah. know personally like like i don't know intimately yeah. enough to be able to show them my closet right i just it's yeah. weird it's just weird it's just plain yeah. out weird anyway all right as anyway anyway right. google one day like you are the bastion of innovation i bow to you and i look at you and i think oh my god these guys are so smart solar powered balloons that send internet to the earth and then Google mine. We get mine. Oh, oh well. Yeah. On to a happy. Please, this is a good one. This is a good, good this government is a good story. So this, 
this is the government stepping up and doing something good. This is uh, uh, what we want you to do is go go to aids.gov forward slash locator. So these guys, the, uh, the HIV testing sites and, and care services locator is what they built basically. So if you're somebody who's got AIDS or you know somebody who's got AIDS uh, and, and needs to find you know testing sites or, or places to get care or health centers that can help you with that, basically the government has built a lo location-based uh, service to help you find those things near you. Simple as that, government doing good stuff. That's all I can say. Well, th th this is part of the initiative that uh, that uh, Barack Obama has put through, which is to uh, digitize certain services that are going on inside of the U.S. government to tremendous value. This probably took an insane amount of time previous to, to find out this information over multiple sources, and now it's in one spot, aids.gov forward slash locator. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Canada, learn from this. That's That's my pitch. Go, Canada. We can we can leverage this. I think this is very cool. There you go. Yeah, absolutely. AIDS.gov forward slash locator. Excellent. Excellent. All right. All right. This might be a little bit of a longer story uh, around Pandora because they came out this week with an announcement that they have, uh, you know, I think I actually heard that they quadrupled year over year the number of people that are using radio, uh, Pandora radio in their car. It's up to two and a half million people that tune in to Pandora in their car. It's absolutely astounding the growth that these guys are going through, um, which is a great news story for Pandora, who I look at as the canary in the cave when it comes to what they're doing here around uh, around digital radio versus terrestrial and the licensing crap that they have to go through in order to be able to to uh, to get stuff done. And we are behind Pandora 100%. We love this scrappy upstart that buys radio stations so that it can get the same licensing agreements uh, that as uh, mm -hmm. as their brethren, their terrestrial brethren. So um, this is an interesting story, but there's a whole backstory to all this stuff. It's pretty uh, it's pretty big what's going on here. Yeah, this this is huge. Uh, and we, we talked last week, uh, and we talked for a couple weeks now about the importance of, of the car, the connected car, and what that means for the future, and Wi-Fi, and the vehicles, and all that kind of stuff. But this is, for me, really interesting, because what you're seeing here is huge, huge penetration by, you know, digital radio in, in your car, uh, displacing satellite, in many cases, displacing terrestrial radio in many cases you know we're talking about um 2.5 million listeners um in the u.s that are now doing listening to pandora in their car you're talking about 23 different uh brands of a vehicle 100 different models of car currently already that have this uh ford basically offers this they're talking about dodge infinity jeep kia ram all doing this in the next little while so you're you're gonna see, you're gonna start to see now every car that we when we go and buy a new car now it's gonna you know you're gonna say do you want Wi-Fi with that do you want Pandora with that you know it, it it's like you know you're gonna have this little menu of all this digital service that you can get with your with your vehicle and 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 that is exciting because you know the car is the device as much as the phone is the device um, and uh, there, there's there's gonna be a lot of stuff that comes into that nav system. Google Glass will be a part of that, uh, no doubt. Uh, there, see, there's a little positive on Google. Google Glass will be a part of that. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, there, 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 there's a lot of potential here, and th and this is, you know, it's not just for Pandora, Spotify, RDO, all these guys are going to benefit, uh, you know, from this going going forward. It is, it is a land grab or a dash grab right now going on, and, and uh, I agree with you. And like, you know, I think the biggest questions that are surrounding Pandora these days are what is the impact on Pandora going to be when uh, iTunes Radio is released, simply because of the convenience and ease of use. And the number of people that have that use iTunes, number of people that have credit cards through iTunes, like mm -hmm. six hundred million people. It's ridiculous the amount of people credit cards that uh, that Apple has, and and things like, uh, you know, um, Pandora is a is a uni use, a single use uh, tool, right? Most cars are still going to be still going to have an AM FM radio station. Uh, so you know, yeah. there's there's a whole bunch of uh, things that are around Pandora that 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 are tough, right? Because the Chevy Dash just came out with it's a car obviously it just came out with uh, siri integration so it's a little button on your steering wheel that ties into siri to your phone 
Mm-hmm. And uh, and you start to think about that is that when when you start to bring in something like Siri and uh, your playlist and your phone and uh, the the tight I- integration obviously right into iOS, what does that do for something like iTunes Radio against Pandora? Whoa. Right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think that uh, you know the, the the role that Apple can play there is going to be interesting. The ultimate question is is uh, with all of these services is. You know what? What's the the advertising model that's gonna that's gonna work here? You know, is the consumer yeah. going to accept listening to an ad uh, or not? Do, are they gonna want ad free radio? Uh, ultimately, that's to me what what's gonna determine the success of one of these over the other, um, and how you know ultimately they all have to make money somehow, right? So <laughs> you think you know? If, but Apple doesn't. If I if I'm gonna have iTunes Radio and I and I choose to subscribe yeah. to that and there's no advertising on it versus Pandora where there is. <laughs> Or not, you know, like I think that that's yeah, you know, where where the battle is going to be. Well, it depends. Like you know, iTunes Radio. Uh, I mean, in the iOS seven with iTunes Radio, there's a it plays a song and then there's like a buy the song button, right? So yep. I don't know if iTunes or if Apple is looking for uh, monetizing from an advertising standpoint or just bumping up revenue from a sales standpoint, right? From the from yeah. from from the and that's completely different uh, for what Pandora is offering, right? Yep. So, but it's interesting, the iTunes uh, radio, I mean, we've got enough time now to discuss this ad nauseum, but if you look at what happened with Vine, we talked about um, last year, last week we talked about Instagram video, uh, that, you know, the kind of the Vine competitor coming from uh, from Facebook and uh, versus uh, um, Twitter's Vine. And we've had a week now to digest what's happened and it, it the numbers are staggering, like, um, the first day, the day after Instagram released this uh, this video feature, uh, Vine publishing to uh, to Twitter was down forty percent. Mm. Like that's that is staggering. One day, and then following the next week after it was launched, Instagram video was launched. The Twitter, the number of vines posted to Twitter was down seventy percent. Like there's still over a million uh, vines being posted per day, but that's down seventy percent in a week it's it's crazy impact right i mean that and that's with with any of these platforms you go and you make one change like that uh you know to add add capability in somebody else's market and boom it's there i I mean i just got an email today from twitter about vine right about the new vine app right because they have to now they didn't they weren't advertising it before and now they have to and it just came yeah. out, but granted, it's only come out uh, on Android recently, and it's yeah. and just this week, this past week, they've they've done it so you can do selfies, right, on Android, which which yeah. is big on on iPhone. But that is a tailspin, and I wonder what happens when iTunes Radio is released, when the convenience of iTunes Radio is released, versus and, and what the impact is on Pandora, if there's what what the cost is going to be and how that's going to be related to it. But also, I wonder if it's just this big enough market to absorb something like iTunes radio and expose it to new users as opposed to remove users from Pandora. But this is, it's just fascinating to watch because you have these upstarts companies that just struggle to get things done and they get like, they get momentum and then they get momentum and they get two and a half million people posting videos a day. And then it's like the big guy comes in and says, fuck you. And it's over. Yeah, man. But but that's the game you play, right? I mean, when, when you're, when you're building these startups, you know, it's all about speed and execution, right? 100%. I mean, you know that. I know that we've we've we both done it. Um, and if you can't execute fast and you can't get to that critical mass fast enough, you know, somebody somebody can come into that market. Some established player can come into that market, do exactly what you're doing, and just kill yeah. you. Or you know, you do execute fast enough, and you you sell it to them before you know to and, you know to to power them to do that, right? I mean, that's that's the game in in ninety percent of the cases with these startups. Well, and Vine did the right thing. Yeah, they did, and so did exactly. So, like you know, um, a lot of companies have done the right thing in that way, and some haven't. And we've documented many of both in this in this podcast. So we'll yeah. see. Well, but in the in the interim, Pandora is killing it quadrupling the number of listeners in car listeners uh, to two and a half million uh, which is which is just incredible and good for them and my hope is that this this industry um, you know it, it just grows and uh, and grows and grows and grows to a point where where Pandora can survive against something like iTunes radio and all the other ones can as well we need that competition imagine what one company dominant I just I don't like it I don't like that feeling at all so um, they have to find a way to differentiate 
So that's Pandora. Cool. Six stories. Well, seven really. Happy Canada Day. Simply, uh, you know, a little bit of fun there. But six, six big stories there. Our app is done. Now let's talk about our resource of the week: the mobile payment journey of the future. Asif, this, this is not far fetched. I don't think this is a long way away. So I don't think this is like the far future. But some of this is near future stuff. Well, they're saying 2015 in this, so that's not too too far away. Um, yeah, there's some interesting numbers in here. Uh, we'll post this infographic up on the uh, LBMA site under research. A uh, couple of numbers. $3 billion has been loaded onto Starbucks cards uh, in 2012. So $3 million, bucks, $3 billion, uh, that is, just on Starbucks alone. So that's that's interesting. That's an interesting number. Uh, they're talking about uh, 80%, 87% of the U.S. magazine and newspaper publishers now have iPad apps. Makes sense, I think. Um Price of a mobile POS terminal, yeah. $120. Yep. That's interesting, yep. right? Compared to, you know, all the terminals and the thousands of dollars for terminals that were being paid up until now, until we went to mobile. So, yeah, I mean, there's some interesting numbers in here. Anything jumps out at you besides those? Well, I maybe you could explain one thing to me, which was uh, this... Uh, so I understand the cost of a QR code being uh, fixed something, but the newspaper publishing closed-loop mobile payment... They have this, like, it's a sequence. If you're listening to this and you're not seeing this, make sure you, you jump onto uh, the show notes on untether.tv. But they have this one segment here, and I'll pull it up for, for people who are watching this, where it says, um, it, right right here, it says, mobile, published, mobile publishing closed loop mobile payment. Um, and I am completely baffled by that kind of language. I don't know what that means. And uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure what the newspaper has to do with a closed loop mobile payment. Uh, does that mean that I can only access it within a coffee shop? Do I buy stuff from it? Uh, do I pay for a, a, an issue, a day access for 15 minutes? I don't know. So that was the only thing that struck me. Um, but $3 billion has been loaded onto those cards is incredible. Is incredible. Prepaying for coffee. It's like uh, basically a high interest bank account for for um, for Starbucks, right? That's their slush fund. Uh, it's insane. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't I don't know exactly what they mean by that, but my guess is <laughs> is is there t the, with the closed loop thing. I, th I think they're simply talking about you know the need for or, or the the uh, you know the structure of everything happening inside you know one environment, one device, yeah. you know, and and you know from uh, you know the offer or the the content to the transaction, you know, to the payment, all 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 happening in one in one uh, in one loop, effectively, is what they're talking about. Yeah, I think. Well, it could be, and, and it just shows you that the the transactions here, that every day that we we walk through, from the time that we get up to the time that we go to bed, the number of transactions that we already do, and the and I don't know if they're inconvenient. Like paying a subway toll is not that inconvenient if you have the right change. Um, or if you have a credit card, there's already these things, but you start to think about all that data being accumulated on you throughout the day. And I think that's the most staggering part uh, is that mm. in one spot in this, on this smartphone, on this device, you will have 100% of all activity that you've done during that day. Whereas right now it's across disparate networks and disparate payment services, but having all that data on one thing and in one person's hands is, uh, is incredibly yeah. powerful and, or incredibly frightening depending on what side you are on. But, um, yeah, yeah. The uh, the other thing that uh, I mean, the, just in terms of big uh, big numbers, uh, there, there's a number in here from Juniper uh, Research that says that they expect by 2015, 74 billion dollars in NFC transactions. Could be. That's a big. Could yeah. be. Who knows? Who knows? Right? NFC will happen. I mean, it just it happens whether it's on the device or a, an additional piece of technology that's attached to your device. I don't know, but. Uh, yeah. One way or another. The thing, the thing for me is, is I'm not convinced yet that it's only NFC. Right. No, it's not. Right, uh, and that, and that's where, you know, I, I don't know whether it's 74 billion dollars in in just NFC. It's in payments, mobile payments. Sure. Yeah. I could see yep. that, but who knows if it's going to be NFC or QR codes or magnetic fields or you know whatever. Yeah. I, I mean, it's right? true. Like, uh, it, there are going to be. We're, we're testing right now, and. Um, and NFC could be it, but uh, I don't know. It could be just DNA for all that we know, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. We could be Im Absolutely. embedded body chips that work on your heartbeat and your, you know, the way that your blood flows. I don't know what the heck. I thought you you already had those. Don't yeah, you exactly. Sure? Yeah. <laughs> the Midas touch. Yeah. Well, that is it. That's the resource. It is the mobile payment journey of the future. If you're interested, it's a pretty cool, uh, you know, uh, infographic. Very, very well done. 
Uh, and it's I, you can go to uh, thelbma.com forward slash research, and it's up there. You can uh, hit up untether.tv and uh, take a look at the show notes there, and it will be there as well. You're looking for episode number 136. 136. And that, my friend, ends this show. There is nothing left. That's it. Happy Canada Day. Yes, man, and it's and uh, we just I just wanted to draw attention today. There's uh, June 28th when we're doing this, which is also um, the 32nd anniversary of one of the Canada's greatest heroes, the death of one of Canada's greatest heroes. His name is Terry Fox. If you don't know who that name is or who that man is, uh, is an incredibly courageous uh, young man who lost his leg to cancer and then started to run across the country. That's Canada. And made it as far as Thunder Bay, just outside of Thunder Bay, before he succumbed to a second round of cancer. Died on this day 32 years ago. Remarkable, remarkable kid. And, uh, you know, it's it's amazing. In Ottawa, we have streets named after him. There's a huge run, a global run. He's raised, you know, more than $200 million for cancer research since then. Uh, posthumously. He's an incredible, incredible, incredible hero, uh, not just in Canada, but around the world. And uh, so I cannot let a day go by, an anniversary like that go by without acknowledging Terry Fox. And if you don't know who he is, just, just Google Terry Fox, please, and uh, and learn a little bit about this remarkable kid, 23 years old when he died. Unbelievable. June 28th. And of course, happy Canada Day, everybody. July 1st, when you will probably be listening to this, or happy Independence Day, the United States, our brethren in the U.S., Later, everybody. Thanks.